Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 76 of the Archaeologist Podcast, a show where we discuss everything and anything that has to do with Ark Survival Evolved. I'm your host, Sean D. Knight, and with me are a number of players that are here to offer their insights and opinions on the latest topics, strategies, and upcoming features or patches. As I call on our participants for tonight, say hello to the listeners and how many hours you have in Ark. Rico. Uh, looks like uh, just a little bit over 4,500. All right, crossing the threshold. And leg day. And speaking of crossing thresholds, I am at 3508. I finally All did right. it. <laughs> but uh, I'd say Rico is somehow pulling away from me, so I'm not going to catch up like I thought it was. <laughs> ah, you never know. Especially never not know. Uh, especially not if uh, I end up having to restart my server. Yeah. I'll have what's... a lot of work to do and not a lot of time <laughs> to beat everyone else in. Yeah, you just got to get yourself a couple, a couple of farmers to help you out. Yeah, it's harder than it uh, 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 than it sounds. Most <laughs> of the people on the server kind of are a little bit, uh, I don't know, standoffish with me. It's something about the fact that I constantly have to remember, uh, that occasionally one of them says something, and I just go, do remember, God is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So uh, the first Dino TLC is out a week early, along with Patch 278, which will be the main topic this week. Uh, we are also doing away with the listener question of the week and introducing a new segment in this show where we will try to offer advice to newer players and small tribes. But before we get to all that, let's hit up the YouTube comments. So last week's and this show's final listener question was, do you think the, that the offense and defense of the game is balanced with for the upcoming turret limit? Uh, we didn't have any answers except for Basilisk Gavalt who said, I think that question was pretty accurately answered in the video. I've wondered if perhaps adding offline defenses with more than with more long-term consequences could help deter attackers. Thought of this, but I have no idea if it would work. A landmine, invisible without Trek or Tradun, with limits to how far or close it can be placed to your tribe's structures and other mines. It could have different payloads based on size and a manual adjustable weight limit. As soon as that weight limit is reached, it would go off and afflict in a crippling debuff. Dino's affected depend on payload in range of the explosion, giving them drastically reduced movement speed and perhaps making them unable to attack. This debuff could last up to a few real life days depending on the dino payload. What do you guys think? So it's a little complicated. Yeah. I was actually gonna I was gonna plan to go back to the topic of landmines because last week we were talking about about the idea of landmines because I wanted to say that there was a limit, like you put it within a 30 structure limit of your structures, and that's it. Strictly defense, not exactly offense, unless you have a fob up or something like that. Otherwise, there'd be landmines all over the place. I, I would so be hiding a foundation somewhere, setting landmines, and then refertilizing like major <laughs> pathways <laughs> through the island. <laughs> you know, my, here's my only complaint about the reason why I'm not really, like, the mine idea is really cool and all, but, and this is probably going to be a little morbid, but if there is not a functioning dismemberment system in a game, I don't want <laughs> landmines because it's just not going to be realistic. Now I'm suddenly reminded of Soldier of Fortune, which I absolutely yeah. love. Classic. I love shooting off the limbs of all my enemies. Ugh, such a I great game. That might have been one of the earliest games I remember having ragdoll physics in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I still remember the day I first uh, found a way, uh, uh, I found the mod for Fallout 4 that had living dismemberments so I could watch people <laughs> run around bleeding to death after I blew their arms off. Oh, man. Um, um, I, I wanted to add, though, that I, I had I'd given this topic a little bit more thought, and I wanted to go back to what I think would add a little bit more balance. And it's not mm -hmm. a game mechanic. It's 
accountability. You know, we still have this problem. Well, it's not necessarily a problem. It kind of depends on how you look at it. But this uh, meta where you can attack a tribe and you get away with it scot-free without knowing who, mm-hmm. who you were. Yeah. You know, you can mask where you came from and all that other good stuff. Yeah, the tracking issues always a thing. Um, I, I will say, I remember there's something, uh, an interesting little defense that I came to rely on uh, during uh, during one of the brief periods where there actually were a few people that were being on, uh, on our server. Um, one of our mods ad, uh, added these things called a Tesla Tower. I'm sure everyone's going to have an image in their head, and uh, I'm going to guess about 80% of you are going to be right. Command and Conquer. Command and Conquer. Very similar, yes. It is a giant lightning cannon. Now, here's the thing that I love about it. It is slow firing as all get out. Its long range is about the length of it uh, is, a, is maybe a turret's medium range. And when I say slow, I mean, like, I watched one of them, and one of them alone doesn't do very much damage. I watched it uh, fire at a 150 uh, wild scorpion uh, for about a minute and a half before it killed the thing. <laughs> it's not a quick thing. Then I finished putting in 20 of them, and one of them fried a, uh, a, a woolly rhino in one shot. <laughs> that was not cheap, by the way. It was it was several days of farming on an accelerated, uh, uh, on an easy mode map, basically. Mm-hmm. So some kind of stacking defense that provi- provides some kind of uh, external coverage around your base wouldn't be the worst idea ever. Plus, something like the Tesla Tower has the advantage of... Um, well, I mean, you don't need to, 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 you know, put a bullet in something that runs off an electrical generator. Yeah. I just wish the attackers, at least the PVO attackers, were able to face some consequences. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, like I've said before, the most PvP in this game is actually just offline raiding. And yeah, I mean, that, that, it's a bigger game balance issue than it is mostly an offense versus defense issue, I guess. Yeah, so uh, on the topic of landmines, Solo and I actually tested out my Prolovia theory mm-hmm. um, shortly after we did last week's episode. And um, we discovered that when you put a C4 on a Prolovia, or on the head of a Prolovia, and tell it to bury itself, oh, the Prolovia will bury itself, and the C4 will be hanging in the air four feet above ground. Very disappointed. Yeah. Now, Free fertilizer? No, it's still it's too high. Oh. For the, it's oh. too high for that. But... You're not wrong because when we placed it on, I think it was the rear end of the Pelovia, it was almost on ground level, so the grass could cover that up. Now, what if can you grow a tree on top of a Pelovia? I don't say why not. Hmm. Now here's the problem. So he set it on aggressive, and it attacked the rock drake I was on, stunning the rock drake or myself. But uh, when I took the rock drake and attacked the Pelovia, the C4 didn't detonate like I was theorizing it would. Which was very disappointing. I mean, that doesn't make sense because when we put it to ourselves, like you can punch yourself and it explodes. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I, di- I didn't. We didn't. I didn't take it further than that. Um, my other theory was that if I killed the Pelovia and then hit the C4 that fell to the ground, maybe it would detonate. But I'm not sure. Sounds Still, unreliable though, at best. Yeah. So I wouldn't really bet the farm on that. Ah, <sighs> I was there very disappointed. I was hoping that would work. A Pelovia minefield. Could you imagine it? <laughs> Peter would skin you alive. <laughs> okay, uh, next generation game says, hmm, Rico mentioned Sargon. If he is on the political side I think he is on, I would love to have a conversation with him. Not often I find an ally. I won't say more here, though, because this is really not a topic to be discussed in an ARC podcast. 
True. I, I just have this feeling he's actually further to the right than I am. <laughs> I mean, I make Genghis Khan look like a liberal. <laughs> uh, Apex Predator said, After I saw the amnesty thing, I wondered if the trusted players who previewed or, or bug-tested Aberration were in one of the Mega Exploit tribes. Since then, I saw a post that wildcard employees were in some of the offending tribes. I hope that's not the case. I also liked Wildcard's comment that they would continue to keep the game fair and competitive. This on the end of the message about an exploit since 2015. Even putting aside the undermeshing, duping, and aimbotting, they have a very different concept of fair and competitive than the average honest player. Can you imagine if Wildcard ran the justice system? There's been so many murders of late, we are not going to lock up the offenders, but, we, but be warned if we catch them doing some other crime. Hope you can shed some more light on the actual facts. Rest in peace, officials of right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of interested in a side point about Wildcard being a member of big tribes. And I know this is kind of a controversial position, but I'm not necessarily against that as long as, you know, I, I think a developer should jump in and play their actual game on occasion uh, to see how it's being played. There's only so much you can learn from Twitch. Yeah, unfortunately, there are always accounts or. Uh, tales of devs or testers not being uh, just being one-sided when it came to the fight so well i could totally see it as being one-sided so let's say you're a dev and you're playing in a tribe just to kind of you know screw around for a few hours in between builds of a new patch and mm -hmm. uh you see some crazy uh cheating going on on the other team you'll just use an admin command and you know wipe them right there or something yeah. like that i could totally see that happening in real life it, it was never that egregious but you know being getting higher level dinos than maybe they should have been getting things like that and yes. uh, of course the the testers that are in the mega tribes they come up with all these interesting bypasses and kind of exploits to gain the system for their advantage keep it under wraps for themselves and not tell wildcard things like mm -hmm. that and then um jc85 says simply said great podcast now, I do have one more commenter, but that's going to be for the new segment later on. And we're going to move on to the threads, tweets, etc. The Valentine's Day event is here, and it's only for two days, the 13th and the 14th. And we record every Tuesday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This came out, what was it, two hours, three hours later than it was supposed to be, which was supposed to be at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, uh, for the event, teams have a 5% chance to drop a chocolate cake when they mate, and the chocolate cake can be used for a full heal or to advance 50% of a creature's tame and affinity bar. Red, pink, and white-colored wild creatures can be found wandering in arcs searching for true love's kiss. Uh, as for the servers, they'll get mate boosted range increased by two times, mating speed and mating recovery increased by three times, creature mate maturing and egg incubation speed has been increased by three times, Baby food consumption has been decreased by a third. Now, here's the interesting thing. No harvesting rates for this event. So, all the tribes thinking of raising tons of babies, yet don't have a harvesting rate to get them all that meat and food to feed them. Hmm. So, tribes should keep that in mind, this Valentine's Day event. Oh, and Ouch. you can create your own custom card at playarc.com slash valentines. So, have fun with that. Um... There's also some information on the Great Migration number two, and this is where they're taking down more of the Legacy Arc servers on PC, Xbox, and PS4 from the official network. Obviously, it's going to be for low pop servers or low population servers of zero to one players for many of these cases. 
They've got a list of what servers are going to be going down, which will happen on March 9th, and some of them will be repurposed for new servers that will be put up on the same day. All right. They actually took longer to do this than I kind of expected. Be, yeah, be I thought honest. they'd be doing this like at once a month or once a couple months. But yeah, they took a while. Now, um, one of the new dinos that came out in the Dino TLC patch is the Procoptodon. And somebody asked Jen on Twitter how big of a dino can the kangaroo fit in his pouch because it's going to be able to fit babies in his pouch. And she replied about Carno baby size. So not bad. Looking forward to moving babies into the caves. You know, speaking of, uh, of uh, you know, carrying things and whatnot, um, has anyone at Ark thought about the dang trike? And crab? Um, so... You can't put a baby with horns on its head in a pouch. <laughs> the crab can't carry the trike still. Yeah. And I Though... did some testing, and I'm reasonably certain the guy that said it was probably related to drag rate is, uh, I'm, I'm like 90% convinced he's right. <laughs> the trikes have an obnoxiously high drag rate for no discernible reason. Yeah. Nightwing was telling me that the trike seems to be back in circulation for PvP. Apparently, I don't know what's going on, but suddenly it's not taking a lot of damage from bullets again. Though I could have sworn it had a pretty large reduction when it was taking shots to the head. Oh, you want to know something kind of interesting about the... uh... Now, this is something that I ran into because of uh, one of our our mods. It let me figure out, basically, what are the maximum... um bonuses you can get on a blueprint mm-hmm. um theoretically you can actually get uh, higher than these but um you're you're talking on the the order uh, you know orders of magnitude low uh, low odds and what was most impressive wasn't actually where they cap out most of them cap out it's that not all of them cap out at the same places like not every saddle has the same max armor mm-hmm. most cap out around uh, 325 to uh, 375, depending on your crafting uh, skill. Except for the trike that caps out at 260 for no discernible reason. Huh. Now, I don't know, like I said, there's with with the random blueprints, if you get exceptionally lucky, you're going to be able to beat those numbers. But I also found out, interestingly enough, it's when you beat these numbers that the price goes from reasonable to, uh, okay, Satan, you can take my, uh, wait, you want my first threeborn? Eh, well, <laughs> it is a 900 damage rifle, okay. But basically, as long as you don't cross certain, ba- uh, it, it's when you cross certain, ba- there's an actual barrier. The moment you cross this, the cost of the blueprint just skyrockets exponentially. Mm-hmm. Also, coincidentally, there is coding in the game for the, uh, for tech armors and tech saddles to have uh, quality grades. There's just no implementation uh, of it. Uh-oh, so maybe that might be a future thing? Uh, I doubt it. I think it's just because of the way that the they, they copy-pasted the thing in. Um, mm-hmm. I Just on a lark, I, I, I tossed a, a Rock Drake or a tech saddle into my upgrade station and clicked the button that would... Because te- it doesn't actually tell you how much it's going to cost. You have to click the upgrade button. If you don't have the materials there, it'll tell you what they are. And the first one jumped out at me was... Okay, uh, uh, wait, that's four digits for black pearls. Mm-hmm. That's just to take it from primitive to, to ramshackle. Yeah. And you know what? I got to say, if those costs held true, if that kind of cost scaling held true, I would be fine with them having blueprints unofficial. Good luck with that. <laughs> be a great way to identify dupers. Indeed. Now, on the topic of dupers and exploiters, to uh, 
answer Apex Predator's little comment. Um, we got a little bit of information here. Landcast made a post on Reddit and wrote a fairly lengthy one saying, So, I see a lot of people are going crazy wanting to know over what the exploit actually was, and honestly, a lot of misinformation is going on, so I'll fill in the gaps. Originally, I was going to make a YouTube video showing the exploit as I have over one terabyte of footage of using it, alongside others still working exploits. There are many, but I will hold that off for now. Maybe I'll make a vid at some point later. We'll see. He did make a video. Let me first give credit where it's due. The founder of this exploit is Substitute. Now, to correct Wildcard's statement a bit, no actual mega tribes had actual access to the exploit. Besides Substitute and myself, very few people had actual access to the exploit. I'm That's not a bold men- claim. Yeah. I'm not going to mention the other people, so don't ask. Also, Substitute should not be blamed for anything. He himself has never abused this exploit or given it to me or anyone for that matter. The reason myself and very few other people had the exploit is because a certain sentence got leaked in the past, which made a certain investigation and realization. Substitutes is actually one of the good guys, trying to make this game better for everyone by fixing and reporting every exploit. Can't say the same about myself, but oh well. So what was the exploit? Pretty much, it made you sort of an admin on the official servers. That's one way to look at it. The things the exploit actually allowed to do included aimbot, ESP radar, insta-teleport to cloud wherever you are. You can download dinos from the cloud everywhere. Anything, Everything is a transmitter for you. You are a transmitter. However, you can actually download individual items off cloud anywhere, as that did require an actual obelisk transmitter initialization, so small limitation. Bypass any PIN code by opening remote inventory of anything you look at. Client wake up slash sleep, which allowed for various or for various interesting things and some duping me- methods. Now that's just a small list. It goes on and on, but these are the major game breaking things the exploit allowed. You don't need to know how the exploit was achieved, so don't ask. Just know it doesn't work anymore, at least for now. Wouldn't be the first time Walcar did a lazy fix or unpatched something you know. Even though, yes, the exploit technically existed since 2015, it was never known by anyone back then. This exploit has been in use for about six months, or however long the new servers were running for. There were some duping methods with this exploit, none of them lasted very long. I'm not going to talk about all the duping methods for certain reasons, but I will mention one as it relates to Wildcard's statement a bit. The cooking pot, which allowed, a, which allowed you to create custom recipes to craft things such as materials, summon bosses to crash servers, or even craft super test meat for insta-tames. Anything, any actual thing crafted from the cooking pot was wiped upon the patch version 273.67. Having said that, any items crafted from the crafted materials before the patch would actually not get wiped. The reason materials and anything raw got wiped is because they had some variables in them that made them recognizable. They were food in theory, so it wasn't too hard to detect. If someone crafted C4 from them, that would stay. Now, even though Wildcard is saying Mega Tribes had exploit is technically wrong, the actual recipes which you crafted back then using the exploit, it was possible to give them out, so a few Mega Tribes did have it for a short period of time. None of those tribes knew how the recipes were actually created in reality. The damage done with the exploit itself, well, let's just say the new servers are not clean. There are millions of duped items going around, but nobody that was given the duped items would do what was done on Legacy randomly spam spam them because nobody wants dev attention or to get dev wiped. The huge mesh bases which I have had, the location which has never been found by any dev not since even legacy times, has been wiped on all servers that I had. 
Well, long story short, without going into too much detail, I did tell Substitute my mesh location, and sadly, when he reported the exploit to the devs, he reported my mesh base too. I mean, I don't hold it against them. It was the right thing to do. So I guess as I wasn't the most legit player, just my own fault for letting them know. While this particular exploit is fixed, there are still other exploits out there. Ark is by no means an exploit-free game. For the most part, devs always do a band-aid fix. They fix a possible let's call it backdoor to allow the exploit, but never actually fix any exploit itself. There are still a lot of meshing techniques out there, still a character dupe technique, and some other exploits. A lot of exploits were actually fixed in the past, but because they were a lazy fix, workarounds have been found to achieve the same result. Yeah. So he did post a video as well, and he showed a number of uh, ways to get under the mesh, utilizing a chair and a climbing pick. Hmm. It's an hour-long video. I suggest people check it out. There's so not many only under meshing a lot of people and a lot of tribes by himself. He was utilizing ESP, aimbot. Chairs OP. <laughs> you know what's funny? This is basically, uh, I mean, for lack of a better way of explaining it, this is exactly what most of the um, uh, the so-called cheat clients let you do. Mm-hmm. Like, if you bought, the, as I've admitted to in the past, there was a brief time that a former tribe mate of mine bought me, uh, bought me one. Granted, it was at the lowest level, so I couldn't use most of these features. I was limited to a uh, aim bot that had a less accuracy than my uh, uh, uh than my own shooting skill and uh an esp that i never actually used in a fight because i never was on during a fight mm -hmm. however that doesn't mean i couldn't see the uh things that you could have if you paid the i think it was like 25 dollars a month for the full version right i mean there were spawn menus there were uh, yeah, a perfect accurate uh, aim. Uh, well, not a perfect accurate aim, bot, but a pretty accurate aim bot. Just all kinds of other crazy stuff. Like almost everything he just listed was on those. And I've always so that's why I've always said these those cheat programs operate by basically turning you into an admin. If Ark managed to accidentally leave a way for you to just press buttons and do that, one people actually paid for the cheats. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, sorry to get that out of my system. Um, and for those that, uh, I mean, that is a huge, that's not just an oversight. That is like, that's like leaving the door to the missile launch room open and your key in the, uh, in the, uh, in the thing. That's not an oversight. Somebody was retarded. You know, I've uh. always wondered about, you can make a cheat. So I don't know, not to go too far into this, but they, you a lot of cheating relies on just, you know, looking at the packet data that's coming into your client and it's transmitting you information like player, you know, X is at coordinates ABC. You can snoop that data passively, mm -hmm. completely passively without actually interfacing or consuming the packet. You could probably have a cheap program run on another laptop that was like completely undetectable. Well, the, the um, I mean, you might be able to do it by going to another one. They actually managed to fix the cheat most of the cheating programs fairly effectively with BattleEye because BattleEye, um, the cheat program, what you were paying for wasn't actually really the cheat program. Uh, what you were really paying for was um, the uh, the full, uh, uh, basically a prepackaged um, what's the name of it? Uh, I can't remember the terminology anymore. Uh, but basically, I had to boot my computer in an alternate mode, and it would hide. 
a, uh, a a false signal that would go back to the, uh, the uh, that would go back from client to server side to mask everything that was happening. Might be able to do that from another computer when well, bypass the battle eye. But, it depends I mean, if it's encrypted or not. I doubt it is though. I mean, I, somehow I doubt it is. I should wire shark mm -hmm. it someday just to look at it. Uh, so on the subject of exploits, Jet did issue a a comment or uh, along those lines and said. We still recommend that people tell us immediately about exploits. I will say that Substitute never received a bounty for the cooking exploit, nor will he be getting a bounty for this exploit as someone else had reported it some hours prior to him informing us oh, of what he was capable of, which allowed us to look into it further. I interesting. Mm -hmm. The bounty he is receiving, however, is because of an additional vulnerability he uncovered, which would have only been found due to his framework and probably wouldn't have spotted been spotted otherwise. As for issues being reported to Wildcard and Wildcard not dealing with them, that isn't entirely accurate. Of course, there are some things we're pretty slow on, i.e. holes. The team would rather focus on the issues where people are able to get through the map without the use of holes, as that's more concerning to them on a technical level. When people send in reports regarding game exploits, ways to get through the map, we immediately jump on it and aim to have it resolved as quickly as possible. Sometimes it could take a few days of iteration, sometimes it's solved in an instance, Sometimes we solve the main issue, but there may be edge cases, edge cases which we still have to deal with, and they only crop up when people report them. Though, I will say that the team now understands the need to patch things like holes much quicker, and I'm happy to say that pretty much all the holes have been reported across all the maps will be taken care of in the patch this Saturday, uh, patch 278. In regards to a public beta realm, it's something I would like to see us do, and maybe it'll become a possibility post-TLC number one. We'll yes. have to see. I don't yes. want to make any promise or confirmations, but I think there are certainly other avenues we can take when looking at how to test upcoming content. I think that's a great idea. Yep. And also, you know, shout out to Alcar for finally fixing the mesh hole near our base. That was driving me crazy. Indeed. One other thing I saw from Jet, and somebody had asked him, is stacked crops plot... Is stacking crop plots cheating? And uh, he simply replied, I wouldn't say it's cheating, just taking advantage of game mechanics. That is such a gray area. <laughs> I know a lot of people have been stacking their crop plots uh, for vegetable crops and uh, plant Z's quite a bit. But um, not done with exploits. Apparently, there is an armor stacking exploit. And a video of this in action was posted by YouTuber John Coe. I have a link to the video in the video description of this podcast. He doesn't really explain how it happens, just that he's able to stack like 10 uh, armor in each slot so that he could take fire from turrets for quite a while, and it'll just destroy one helmet, and since it's already stacked, it'll just go to the next, and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, that needs to be patched pretty quickly. Now, some uh, idiot with an unhealthy love for moths posted on reddit saying that they were nominating the moth for aberration and tlc pass what a schmuck i now can't stand the guy jeez are you kidding hero we need and uh he offers some suggestions for the moth saying uh that it needs to be able to produce silk passively like the akatina maybe instead of fertilizing crops like it says in the dossier it could um be used to quickly grow crops increase the growth speed of it in addition, give it an alt attack for a spore cloud that immediately issues from behind so that when it's being attacked by flyers, it can pretty much stop them in their tracks and allow the flyer or the moth's rider to shoot from the back of the moth as well. I loved every one of these ideas, honestly. <laughs> 
I'm not being joking. Um, I think uh, you, I think you also mentioned you, uh, enabling hey, the moth. I don't know what you're talking or about. The commenter also mentioned uh, having the moth in aberration, which I was kind of skeptical about. But in general, I think the moth should live up to its own dossier. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been I've been I've been I've had to make this case several. I've been trying to make this case to the people on my server for two weeks now. Um, the moth is not a flyer that's going to uh, uh, really affect the way that the that the mechanics. Okay, think about what you would do with the moth. Can you pick things up with it? No. All right. Um, can you perform high speed aerial reconnaissance with it? High not speed, high speed. No. But you can but fly I, it on the mouth. The, the I map used to do recon with it. If you remember our days on uh, Scorched Earth. Yeah, that's the problem. Oh, yeah. Well, so my recommendation has been, and and the guy, and this I'm taking, I'm liberally taking from uh, more aberration ta- uh, creatures. Seriously, anybody who runs private server, that map has been a hit with. Two dozen, oh, with almost two dozen players um, on, on my server. I have not had a single complaint other than they won't let me add, uh, add the moth, uh, moth in. It'll leave, uh, the guy even has instructions pinned on the page for how to per, uh, how to permanently remove flyers for people who don't want them. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, plug the dude's stuff because it, it, it's currently one of the best mods I've ever used. The reason but I think the guy, any flyer is the, bad. Well, go ahead. Finish your point. I didn't know you had more. The, the moth ultimately... It can't stop an assault. You can't use a weapon from its back. It, it is a... You either can try and do stealth recon with it or a uh, lo, uh, or a, or a stealth courier for it. And frankly, as long as they don't make it immune to radiation on its own, it's very niche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it'd have the, uh, it would present some things, but make it a rare spawn in one area. Make it a uh, make sure it's not immune to radiation, and help give it bright colors to make its stealth roll really difficult. <laughs> I, I don't see the moth as a game changer in terms of PvP on aberration. I, I agree with you on that point, but I think where it would hurt the game is the overall experience. When I when I first started playing aberration, you look down at the blue zone, it looks a long ways away, and you've yeah. got to get ready and gear up and go down there and explore that thing. And I think that's part of the thing that makes aberration special in the DLCs of uh arc you know i really think the moth being an early game tame would kind of rob that experience yeah but think about it you if you continue to play this the aberration for six months down the road do you really want to keep playing that way no and that that's why i like the higher level flyer uh, or semi flyer mm-hmm. the glider the drake right you know what's <laughs> funny um like uh, I'm really uh, I, I'm really glad I had uh, ID like uh, the the mods the, so far the mod has added uh, tapageras which while thematically appropriate would be horrible for game balance terras <laughs> and just just in general I I used to love terras but I've come to the point where I hate them um, <laughs> blasphemy moths and and then I saw the up uh, the upcoming uh, up the next the next pass for he's putting in it's like Aberration Wyvern? Yeah. Mm. And I'm just thinking, okay, I need to know what those look like because I'm sure they're going to be gorgeous. But Other not than that, why? Yeah. Though I have to disagree with your earlier comment about them not being able to stop an assault because I guarantee you, well-placed moth bombs on an attacker is going to stop an assault real fast and will also stop them prevent them from retreating well i like the idea of you what you said about or the commenter said about uh <laughs> ejecting right behind it so if you're being chased yes i think that's cool 
I think it's a cool. I think it'd be fun. I would get really ballsy more so than I would be with a moth if I had that ability, especially if I could shoot from the back myself. There have been a couple times where I've been able to drop a moth bomb on a raider, but I have to waste precious seconds to get close enough to the ground to jump off the moth and then kill the raider while they're trying to get the way out of the moth cloud, uh, the spore cloud, because their their speed is down and by cut by ninety percent. They're walking real slow. Anybody with a well, if you can't hit the frost out of barn, you should still be able to hit this guy. No one expects the moth bomb. <laughs> Really the other reason I like the idea of the moth on aberration is it's not like the terrors where it's fairly easy to use. You gotta get kind of creative to use in the fight. Yep. Uh love the moth. And I like I said, I love using it in PvP. I had fun. But the crop dusting, man, that's gotta be a thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh there were a couple other um suggestions on top of that, such as giving them the ability to walk or land and walk on the sides and roofs. Which I like. Yeah, that kind of makes sense for a moth. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, when you when I normally see a landed moth, it's on a wall. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another person said, give them the ability to park on the ceiling and then use them as a tripwire trap, which I thought was pretty cool. That's interesting. Well, I mean, how would that work, though? I assume it issues out a spore cloud on them. Okay. Or something yeah, okay. like that. I like so, it. Yeah. I mean, I, these are, I think these are legit possibilities. Uh, looking at what Wildcard did for the TLC pass... They added a lot more functionality than I was expecting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, speaking of the TLC pass, we get another preview of Phase 2, and they put out one dino, uh, changes for one dino, and that's the Sarcosuchus. And um, there's going to get three new attacks uh, in addition to the visual update. It will be able to do a grab-and-roll attack, also known as a death roll, with small creatures. The Sarco will be able to grab and roll with them in its mouth, that While the so larger awesome. creature, it will grab on and spin aggressively. Yeah, I, I have not seen the uh, TLC2 uh, info yet. That is freaking awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked. Yay, Sarko's yep. getting some love. Indeed. Uh, it'll get a 180-degree attack, wherein it can attack something directly behind itself by swinging its body around and biting behind itself. Is that a thing real uh, alligators do? No. Okay. <laughs> and then a short lunge attack where it'll be able to lunge forward to take its prey by surprise. And then they also added Sarkos are natural deterrence for piranhas, making them valuable partners when traveling through waterways and swamps. The Sarko will also prefer fish meats over regular meat for taming, and when idle, will rest with its mouth open in a permanent toothy grin. I love this so much. I <laughs> love that Wildcard is making these dinos have a, a really, really niche capabilities. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's really been missing. So uh, this will be the Sarko along with the Spino, and I forget what the other dino was that's in Phase 2. So three dinos so far. We'll see if any others. Like the moth, maybe. Now, here's an interesting thing from a Reddit user named Solobot. And he wrote, Can we have a game mode with tribes disabled? And writes, I have been thinking about what I don't like, and it always comes down to the map becoming full of massive tribes and pretty much ruining the whole experience. So wouldn't a PvE game mode where no tribes exist work? You can still play with your mates, just not share anything, which would make the game more difficult and more fun, IMO. Also limit the space one person can claim since it is a one-person tribe. It can easily be limited. Yes, people would just group up and form a large base still, but nothing can be shared, so rather it be in a large base, it would be more like a village since nothing can be shared. Also, disable item dropping to keep people from working together. 
Normally, you wouldn't be able to limit the space a tribe could claim because a larger tribe would simply be able to claim more. Limit dino, limit dino gates to, to something like two per person. Don't lower the dino level simply its growth per level once tamed. A 20k Rex just kills any challenge in PvE. So a fully leveled dino could only have like double the stats of when it was tamed, not say 10 times like it is now. So he had it's an interesting idea, but I, was, I wanted to put a spin on this and say, what about a PvP mode for solo players? No alliances, no tribes, just solo players on a PvP server. So I, I really like this idea. Let me add a little bit more spin. Um, mm -hmm. I'd still like to see a mode where you can build next to people. So may, maybe yeah. a mode where you can get into an alliance. That alliance means bupkis for sharing resources, but it means that you can build like a little PvE town, you know, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. Kind of match the way the trailers are kind of pitched for the way this game is. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Let's let's try it and see what happens. Yeah, I am perfectly down for it. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun. I'd certainly want to give it a shot. Just to see how good I do Indeed. against other players one-on-one. -on -one. I just want to see Arc Towns. Arc Towns on <laughs> PvP. I know PvE does it all the time, but I want, I want to see it on PvP. Yeah. I want to see a strategic advantage to actually having a bunch of people build in a cluster together. Mm -hmm. As opposed to a big, giant cube. <laughs> Alright, so uh, now it is time for a new segment on the show where we offer pearls of trilobite wisdom to those who need help as we stroll down Arc Avenue. Now, <laughs> I got a, a tweet on Twitter, my Twitter account, from Foggy Football, and he said, Hi, Sean. I've listened to a few of your podcasts now and wanted to give my personal opinion on what I would like to see integrated, or maybe I just haven't listened to the correct episodes. So I'm a player on the Xbox with around a year's experience. I play with a couple mates most evenings and weekends, but we would only consider ourselves at best a small tribe. What I would really like is a podcast or section that gives us newish players some kind of direction and insight on how to expand and grow. I'd like to know about what teams are worthwhile and which aren't, what tools and items we should, we should be crafting, as well as how to set up our bases. We currently have an 85 plant slash auto setup working towards 100, but this may give you a better idea of the stage we're at. I feel like we have now hit a little bit of a brick wall and would be nice to have guidance for our smaller tribes on how to become larger. Thank you. Man, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you know, in my opinion, if you're looking to expand and you really want to be a big-time tribe, there's no better way to do it than to recruit. The, the real key is how do you recruit smartly? Because whenever you recruit, there's a big risk. But I'll tell you what, I always, I think I said this in a previous podcast. In my experience, the threshold is always three people. Once you get to three people, the game gets a lot easier. When you're at two people, it's it's tough going. It's fun, but it's tough mm -hmm. going. And when you're at one, it's dang, it's dang near impossible. Yeah. But at three people, you start to get to the point where, you know, resources start to not be an issue and, and whatnot. And it, recruiting, let's say you get to, like, you know, five or six people, then suddenly, like, you log in and, like, things are just kind of done without you having to direct it. Um, it it's, 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 it's like, it's leaps and bounds ahead of what you can do with a three person drive. Yeah. So, so it, it all boils down to what direction you want to go in, such as, do you want to become a bigger tribe? Do you want to stay a small tribe, but be able to survive and be able to fight effectively? Or are you just a tribe on PVP where 
you just want to raise dinos and have fun as as much as you can. It, it really boils down to that. But let, let's go. Let's focus on the fact that they're at 85 turrets out of 100. I'd say the, one of the number one things for most tribes, if you're not going to be raiding, work on your farming game. If you're able and to farm, farm efficiently, yeah, farm bullets. If you're able to farm efficiently, you're going to build up fast. You're going to prepare for anything really fast. Depending on how many of you guys, if there's three of you, you've got a pretty good farming team right there to spend an hour or two. Um, for us, example, we just took two crabs, two ankies, and a parasur, and walked away with a couple industrial forges worth of metal in 30 minutes, an hour. It's kind of a, it's a little map dependent, but yeah, in general, yeah. three people can do an amazing farming job uh, in a couple hours worth of work. Yeah, know the ins and outs of all the ways to farm. Now, we I don't know what map you're on so or what kind of dimes you have, but if you're able to get a Quetzal, make that a priority. Work on your Ankies. Make sure that you're, you've got a bloodline going so that you can imprint. Get that melee up as much as you can, so as the more melee you have, the more metal you're going to get each time you hit a node. Hey, so there's an interesting side tip there. If you are going to go for bloodlines, try to recruit somebody who's really into the breeding aspect of mm -hmm. this game. You know, the breeders are like the underappreciated uh, super weapons of tribes. There's oh, yeah. one other thing that people often um, don't... Uh, and this is especially important when you're out. Having someone who's uh, who uh, can basically wander, but always find their way back to base, and is good at going out with, re with resources and bringing them back, that's the guy you want to send out looking for your new tanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you'd be amazed how many times that like this. This was one of my specialties in the uh, back in the early game. I what was it? Scorched Earth, where most of us were were dying if we tried to go more than you know a, a quarter mile from the base. And I walked halfway <laughs> across the map one day and just walked back. <laughs> if I had actually brought a rifle and trank darts with me, I I could have been taming stuff, uh, knocking stuff out, checking, doing stat checks along the way, mm -hmm. and that's an important part of um getting your bloodline established. Knocking out every single viable dinosaur you see and going, is this better than what we have? Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, stats, I think a stat that's often overlooked is reputation stat. Mm -hmm. uh, I honestly think the political game uh, is very much uh, overlooked, but particularly by smaller tribes. You know, when we were a bigger tribe, we'd look on the you know two-person, three-person tribes constantly getting in small fights with each other and that and that's it kind of goes back to your saying Sean it kind of depends on what kind of game you're looking for mm -hmm. because that'll result in a lot of really cool uh, fights and action a lot of little wars and spats but if you're trying to go play the long game and you're trying to expand then you got to work on your political alliances yes you got to figure out who your friends are making friends is always a good idea <laughs> oh yeah all right so uh let's go back and once remember more. the thing about making friends this goes for politics anything this is a basic rule of psychology. The more non-negative interactions you have some with someone, the more positive you will remember them in the future. So if you just occasionally wander past, like I used to do this back in the old days, I wander up uh, if I saw the uh, if I saw one of the one of the alphas taming something. This is back way back in the day. I would hang around where they were, out of sight, wait till some monster, some critter was about to come uh, anywhere near their tame and kill it. And go, you okay? <laughs> Didn't know if you needed help, but I figured I'd offer. Have a good one and wander off. They'd see my name. They'd see the tribe name. 
That was enough. Two, three, four times. And then when there's some weird thing going on in your area of the map, you'll get a message from them. I mean, when, when times are weird and people are saying things like, oh, hey, you know, we should probably think about wiping that tribe. You, you know, and a couple people in that tribe speak up and say, no, nah, those guys are pretty cool. We have good yeah. interactions with them. I mean, that that's huge. If you're looking to play the long game and expand. I guess I guess the, a shorter version of that rule is uh, don't be a <laughs> if, if you're going <laughs> yeah, to play the long game. Indeed. Um, so I would suggest for our newer listeners, listen to episode 44 and 45 of the podcast where we talk about building on a PvP server and we had some great guys who uh, chatted with us and talked about their experience in that regard. And also episode 60 where we gave some ARC 101 tips. Uh, for you, Foggy Football, if you're trying to get to 100 turrets quickly, have an angler fish for gathering uh, pearls because they're great at gathering pearls. Insanely great. So if you don't have an angler fish, get one. Depending on what your setup is for gathering metal, invest in an industrial forge if you're able to get tons of metal because you're also going to need to make bullets. And industrial forge is fantastic for burning lots of charcoal. And in conjunction to that, Invest in a chem bench, chemistry bench, because yeah. you get, what is it, an extra 15 or 25%? It's a multiplier. Play. Yeah, there's uh, a multiplier. The two biggest mistakes I made in this game are the two points you just hit. One was not getting a chem bench early on. Mm-hmm. And two was not really fully appreciating the specialized teams for collection. Yeah. I never I never thought like, oh, you know, I, I don't need to do an anglerfish. I can just get a few pearls when I need it. But man, you totally underestimate the sheer volume of pearls that you can collect with like a, a specialized Ooh, uh, yeah. pearl collector. And then how many pearls you need when you really get into turret crafting mode. Especially when they changer. finally get up to the heavy turrets. That's a lot more electronics you're going to need for that. And, and it's a really fun early game thing to do. It's like, hey guys, what are we going to do today? Ah, let's get an angler fish. Mm-hmm. You know, they can make that a mission. That was one of the first things we did on Aberration was, I was saying, we got to get an angler fish. And the fact that the fish basket is able to transport a tamed anglerfish from one mm-hmm. pool to the next, by the way, utilize it. And um, that's just crazy. Yeah. In terms of cement and paste, octinas or the snails is obviously a must. If not, hit the beaver dams as much as possible if that's something you guys are able to do. Otherwise, get a doehead for stone, get a um, megatherium for chitin gathering. And you can quickly craft it. But once again, that chem bench makes a huge difference because you get a lot of extra materials when making, you know, cement and paste, gunpowder. It's worth it. And spark powder, actually. Figure out where your resource bottleneck is and then yeah. focus on taming the animal that helps that problem the most. Definitely. And um, feel free to let us know exactly what goal you guys are trying to do. And we'll try and offer some more advice. Okay, uh, let's move on the to the main topic. Dino TLC Pass number one is out, along with patch 278. Now, and it's a doozy. Uh, it's, it's a lot to digest for sure. So, in the TLC patch, we got, what was it, four new dinos? We got the Procoptodon, and what went through was it got the model update, animation update, a sound pass, and some new abilities. The abilities, uh, it takes reduced fall damage, can carry weight. Its carry weight has been increased. It can carry small creatures and baby dinos in its pouch. It's got a knockback kick, which can affect significantly larger dinos. They added an aimed jump, which can be used by holding down the jump key. Uh, carry characters in a pouch have reduced food consumption rate, when carried by mate-boosted female Procoptodons. 
Babies imprinted while in a carried Procoptodon pouch receive more affinity. Man, that's the biggest uh, ch- uh, game changer I could think of. I mean, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but I feel like that's really going to change uh, baby raising. Oh, yeah. Though uh, it's interesting because carried characters in a pouch have reduced food consumption rate when carried by mate-boosted female Procoptodons. Could you put an enemy player in the pouch then with handcuffs? Ooh, new prison meta. Yeah. <laughs> Might make it easier to uh, transport your prisoners into your base and not get shot by your turrets. Something we're going to have to uh, experiment with. Hmm. Now, uh, the Bigfoot was also in the update. It got a model update, anima- animation update, new fur, sound pass. The Bigfoot will receive an armor degrade and attack. This means when it fights, it'll do more damage to your armor's durability. It is important to note that the armor degrade and attack will not affect the Yeti creatures found in the game. They got the capability to climb zip lines, but not jump between them. They added a jump to the Bigfoot. It can now carry and throw small creatures, and throwing has been made more accurately, accurate, similarly to crabs with targeting cursor. Now, this is also on Aberration, by the way. They put the Bigfoot on Aberration. And, of course, I need Titan Boa Kibble to tame it, and sure as hell, I am never very taming a Bigfoot ever again. I learned that. Early on, when they first <laughs> introduced this thing to the to the game, but uh, I definitely want Bigfoots. I definitely want to have a bloodline because the fact that they can reduce armor makes them pretty valuable for smacking people around because they got a good knockback on them as well. And since they're a land know you can increase their speed too, movement speed. Is that now, the uh, is hmm? all the, all the uh, TLC updates? Oh no no no! Oh, no, no. carry on then. Remember the Dire Bear is also in here, and ah, this came through Aberration yes. as well. I which I haven't found him. a good level of yet, so I can't speak to it just yet. I found a 125, which I just quickly uh, tamed because I need a good uh, fiber gatherer, which they are great at doing. All right, so uh, it got the model update, animation update, new fur. Uh, the new abilities, when riding a dire bear, players will be immune to bees. They won't be able to knock you off of your bear, and they will target focus the bear instead of the player. The dire bear will also be able to harvest honey from wild beehives without attracting bees or hurting the hive and using its alternate using its alternate attack plus the amount of honey it receives will be three times the standard amount and then it got an increased swim speed that's interesting well i mean they swim rivers in real life so maybe yeah makes sense (laughs) and then finally oh not finally but second to last the dire wolf got the model update animation update new fur uh, it's Howl now activates a pack buff for 90 seconds with a one and a half minute cooldown. That when is the, so cool. Yep. When the alpha howls, the pack also howls. The pack buff strengthens the alpha as well as its pack, reduced amount versus alpha. Hunter's Instinct passive buff, which will allow it to sniff out people and creatures with less than 50% health. Sniff tertiary ability to indicate nearby explorer notes or to detect buried and stealth creatures. See, that's awesome. So yes. they're Polovia detectors. They they are. They really are. Yeah. It's awesome and makes me sad at the same time. I know. You know, I, I really almost want to go back to some of our old podcasts where we talked about what we wanted to see in a TLC pass to compare it mm-hmm. to what they actually implemented in this first pass because I don't know if there's a lot of overlap here. I don't recognize a lot of things that we talked about, maybe other than the... Um, the the how, I know. The, we talked The how, about. I think we talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about... I think the Rex got a... Uh, a little cute thing where it roars and makes everyone poop, yes. which we talked about. So other than that, though, I mean, these are really cool ideas. I don't think we uh, 
the jump to the Bigfoot we did discuss, or at least I know I remember discussing at one point mm-hmm. that it needed to be able to jump, which drove me nuts. And having the crosshair for dead jumping is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the bear for gathering bees, uh, honey, I believe, was something we had discussed as well. But uh, you mentioned the Rex, and that was the final one in the DLC pass. It got the model update, animation update, and then its roar should receive a cooldown and make non-allies under a certain drag weight poop to act as a small stun or interrupt. There will be a cooldown on victims so that they cannot be poop-locked continuously. <laughs> cannot be poop-locked. <laughs> <laughs> the now, that, is, uh, yeah. that is a phrase right there. I know, isn't it? <laughs> The roar will not be able to scare anything above its level, which I thought was interesting. That's very interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, roar will cause players to poop but not stun them, and the Rex's ability to climb over small rocks and steeper slopes have been improved. It's just awesome. Honestly, yeah. this might be the best update the wildcard has done in a long time. And mm-hmm. I think they deserve a lot of praise for it. These are a lot of really cool improvements. Oh, yeah. So talking about improvements, let's go to the patch notes for 278. For creatures, Dragon's Fire Breath direct impact damage reduced by 50%. They fixed a bug which caused rock drakes and wyvern eggs to sink below their nests over time. Now, the fix to this was the eggs are levitating over the nest now, from what I gather. What? Uh Uh-huh. That was their fix. I think... Wait, that... What? (laughs) If I understand the problem correctly, it was like when it would render in, it would always render in a little lower, a little lower, a little lower, Mm -hmm. right? So... If it's rendering above the nest, doesn't that mean it'll eventually just sink down anyway? Well, they have a timer on the eggs, don't they? So eventually they despawn? Or are they... Okay. Yeah. So even if they go under, eventually they despawn. It's not a short despawn above. if I'm remembering right. Right. Uh, my guess is if they levitated above the nest, they levitated, levitated it to a certain height, that would... Um, it would despawn take into account below. Exactly. Okay. Uh... They added rock golem saddles to scorched earth loot table, added basilisk and crab saddles to aberration loot table. You gotta find those. Uploaded creature stats now display movement speed and melee damage. Fixed the case where certain creatures would get stuck under the map or inside the map when colliding with larger creatures. Still can't believe that's a thing. Fixed an issue which was causing a desync with the Reaper's collision. No longer need pheromones to claim Reaper Kings. The Moshops will no longer flee when told to harvest dino corpses. That's a lie, because that's still happening. I know that for a fact. I've been doing farming with the Moshops a couple hours ago. So, they still run away. Fix a bug where some creatures would not be able to attack at low server frames per seconds, a.k.a. the Giga. Brontos and Parasaur's breeding time have increased by 50%, which makes it the equivalent of raising a Quetzal. Uh, reduced Bronto HP gain per level by 33%. Reduced Bronto base HP by 10%. Reduced the Parasitherium base HP by 10%. Reduced the Parasaur's HP gain per level by 25%. Reduced Tuso base HP by 20%. Reduced Tuso HP gain per level by 25%. Reduced the Donkey resistance to bullets to 40%. Reduced Donkey other resistances to 60%. The Stego plate resistance reduced to 30%. This is obviously in response to the 100 turret limit the which we did talk about in last week's episode which i would suggest you check out you know i actually didn't know that there was a specific stat like the plate that i found it interesting it was plate resistance like that was called out mm-hmm. specifically oh yeah so uh the tech tapajara no longer inflicts raid damage how you inflict torpor on titan crabs and golems yeah General, that's yeah. a bigger deal than i think i i, I mean I, that Most was kind of a throwaway it. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, people were talking about, weren't they uh, taming golems with tech uh, tapas? And... Mm-hmm. 
Titans and stuff? Yep. Oh, well. Uh, general AI option for dinos to only attack conscious targets. Skittish stance added to tamed dinos. That it's- is huge. Yep. <laughs> I mean, honestly, so if I understand this one correctly, that means that if they're on path, it's kind of like passive, but if they're attacked, they run. Mm-hmm. We haven't tested this yet to see if that's the case. I think that's a big deal. I mean, we were talking yeah. about that two years ago. Might give you some survivors after a raid. You never know. Yeah. Fix a case where the Pella Gornis could use more weapons than just the fishing rod. Fixed fishing rod no longer working on the Pella Gornis. Tamed and wild crabs no longer get stuck in a floating state by a medium big sized dinos. The I remain skeptical of that one, by the way. <laughs> I think that happened to me yesterday. Yeah. The Bigfoot can now use the teleporter. The crab can no longer move when encumbered. Fix the case which allowed rock drakes to glide infinitely. I wish I had known that one. Pegamastics no, can no longer steal artifacts. Oh, there you That's go. That's a That's a big one. Yep, we were talking about this a couple episodes ago where... um, Why? Because... What, what's the downside? The wildcard wants people to really grind for the artifacts because what was going on was that they would pick up the artifact, have the Pegamastics kill them, collect it, and rinse and repeat until it was slot capped. Oh, okay. It was an exploit patch. Gotcha. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. <laughs> Fortitude now provides some resistance versus the effects of the Rex Roar, and this resistance carries on to player-ridden dinos, too. Enough Fortitude can prevent player-ridden dinos from being poop-stunned. That's an interesting change that they added. I think that'll be surprisingly helpful. Yeah. <laughs> They increase the amount of food the Akatina receives from cakes to 500. Thank you very much. The Dire Bear and Bigfoot have been added to Aberration, which we already discussed. Uh, they remove the ability to plant, place plant Y and bear traps while riding a dino. Reduce the Titan's walk speed by 5% and run speed by 20%. Uh, corrected Bigfoot socket for desert goggle headgear. For key creatures with targeted jumps, Press and jump again in midair will result in the team falling straight down. So that's good to know. Uh, Basilisks now damage foliage on movement to prevent them from getting stuck on trees. And the accuracy of their poison shot has been improved. The Giga is no longer raged by fall damage. That's huge. Yes. But so is this. The Giga's rage mechanic is now based on damage taken before reduction from external sources. And from what I gather, this makes it really easy to rage Giga now. Oh, I, okay. I misinterpreted that. Yeah, so that's interesting. When the Giga first came out, I was super paranoid about taking it out because I didn't want to actually mm-hmm. jump off a cliff or a rock or something. <laughs> we always joked that if uh, when it, whenever it raged, we were like, "Up, oh, you just broke its toenail." So yeah, I that's guess it wasn't really a member of our tribe until it ate me. <laughs> I guess I might go down in history as the only member of our tribe that has never raged a Giga accidentally. Wow, yeah, you're the only one. Yeah. Pretty sure. They reduced the respawn rate of basilisks and lowered the nearby player check. Fixed a case where the rock drake would not correctly uncloak. Increased the phoenix's health, stamina, and weight. A little late. A little late, yes. Uh, And adjusted the center's gorilla boss so it now matches the island. So, yeah, it's going to be the center. center players, yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, general patches and fixes. We got the creative mode built in. Uh, like day you got to mess around with this. It's an amazing it game there. changer. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. it's probably the most the thing I'm most excited about this change. It is so cool 
to be able to to practice building without having to learn all the admin commands, worry about your weight limit. It's just cool. It's awesome. It should have been there from day one. I agree. Uh, you certainly put it through its paces before starting to build uh, a new. I, I probably extension. wasted about you know fifteen thousand metal ingots in creative mode <laughs> before I went to the live server. It was cool. Yep. Okay. Uh, there's a server option to disable fog now. Arc will now scan your Steam achievements and update your local pro- profile accordingly to restore yes. any lost skins and hairstyles. I want to know if it applies to the uncovered map, <laughs> actually, because that I think it, whenever I reinstall Arc, and unfortunately I have to do it every time I do a major patch because I'm out of freaking room on my SSD, Yeah, um, I have to back up my little local profile. <laughs> so I think if I'm interpreting this correctly, I don't have to do that anymore. It's actually yeah. saved on the cloud correctly, but I don't know for a fact. Um. Add messages to tribe logs with information about uploading and downloading creatures. Finally. Mm-hmm. Yep. So many creatures did it have disappeared in our tribe that we always wonder what <laughs> happened to them. Uh, made a respawning player not targetable by wild AI, finally. Yeah, oh, man. How many times have you spawned in inside the butt of... Uh, uh, the not butt just in the butt, but... Terror bird. <laughs> as your character's looking at their stupid implant, you're being attacked by a titan bow or a wolf or a dialo and you die before the animation is done it's like a rex is eating my neck but let me scratch at this engram on my uh, exactly wrist here. that's slightly uh, itching a little bit uh there's an option yeah, to hide priorities yes <laughs> there's an option to hide learned engrams players can now directly go from prone into crouch and position thank you mm-hmm. ambient sounds have their own volume slider uh, right-click context option added to folders to equip everything inside, allowing for rapid gear switching. I have yet I, to yeah, we haven't taken advantage of this, but I think we need to make some kits to do this. Oh, yes. Uh, created a use last pin code so players can quickly access secured structures. Server option, yeah. which makes the silencer hide the name of the player who has killed you from the kill message and tribe log. Enabled by default on console. Disabled on PC official PvP servers, which is a big mistake. Listen to us, uh, listen to last week's podcast where I ranted about that. Server option to make supply crates random. Option to enable NVIDIA and sell on servers. Prevented specific graphical flags from being invited via .ini files. Hopefully that works. And if you guys don't know what that means, I'm pretty sure it means um, the fact that people were able to change their INI files so that the Plan X wouldn't affect them, their vision. They could see clearly underwater as well. Oh, some of the I and I tweaking I've seen is absolutely insane, mm-hmm. absolutely insane, and probably should be prevented. Prevented, but, hey, can we, yeah. Uh, can we go back to the pre, uh, what you said right before that? What was that? The um, uh, option to enable Nvidia Ansel on. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys have ever played with Ansel. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty cool conceptually. What would you think of that being on official servers? Uh, I. Don't really it, it know basically anything about means, it. It basically means that you can record a gaming session and then play it back. But as a when you're playing it back, you can be a roaming camera. Like oh. you can go to any point in the 3D space. You're kind of recording the 3D game as opposed to recording it as video. That's pretty cool, especially for those for YouTubers as well. I'd like to see it unofficial, though. I know why they're not doing it. I could see it being abused, but oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. Access mapping is now taken into account when underwater. Cooldown added to tribes changing their name, though they don't say for how long the cooldown is. That's a big one for 
because raiders and people who want to keep their tribes identity a secret and whether they're up to some shenanigans would just quickly change the name and keep changing it whenever they were discovered uh five second character and base immunity added to offline raid protection protection servers when first logging in fix the collision issue affecting some dino gates that allowed unintended entry fix multiple client side and server side crashes fix multiple exploits that allowed players to get through the mesh or world barriers fix a bug which allowed structures to be powered in infinitely fix the bug which allowed players to gain a lot of height when using the zip line fix the bug with grappling hook which allowed it to be reeled in much quicker than intended fix the bug which made tech sniper not lose any element when zooming in tech projectiles no longer damage structures with splash damage after the projectile has traveled for 5,000 units so that's actually pretty interesting and probably underappreciated because i've seen a lot mm -hmm. of videos talking about how you can use a tech rifle to shoot at turrets yep. out of the turret range and blow up the turret. Yeah, though, they did change that a while back, though, so that you couldn't do that anymore. Shoot out damage structures out of turret range. This is, um... So, what's the point the of the anti-material rifle if not to destroy material out of its range? No, no, it still destroys... Well, not out of range, but... I think they found that way too OP. Range. Yeah. I just know they did it a while back. This is uh, restricting it so that the splash damage doesn't do any damage to the structure after the projectile has traveled a certain distance. Then well, tech projectile. projectile, that makes sense. <laughs> tech projectiles no longer explode mid-air. Fix a bug which allowed players to exceed the boss arena caps, which a lot of people abused. Uh, what was it? They hold on to an unconscious tribe mate, and it would bring that unconscious tribe mate along with the standard number of players, so tries to bring in a bunch of players into the boss fights. Not only that, I think if I remember that glitch correctly, you could go in if you weren't uh, level qualified to go yes, into the fight. Yes, that too. Uh, fix a bug which allowed players to speed up the baby raisin process for water creatures. Wish I'd known that one. <laughs> All tech structures now have an element cost, though in some cases may be in the form of shards. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Does that mean rails have a cost now? I guess so. Oh, We're going to have to check. No, there that, it is. Yep. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, well, this was new. They didn't have that prior to the notes they posted. Oh. Uh, so you have one. Yep. So we can have new additions to this. Smoke nades and poison nades now have different impact sounds to distinguish between them, which is nice cool. to know. Because I was always freaked out. I just didn't take a chance. I would consider all the nades thrown at me would be... Poison grenades. Poison grenades and run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, railings can no longer be built within distance of enemy foundations. Demo timers can are now hidden behind the extended info option. Wait, the railings thing that I didn't know about. Yeah. I don't think I've even seen that one on Twitch. I have. That and uh, railings... Well, no, not real. I'm thinking of uh, fence foundations. Never mind. A can no longer prevent target uh, turret targeting with cables. Ah, they fixed that one. Yeah, fast. I see. I saw the cable walls in the videos. That was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can no longer handcuff a player to a tech bed. Ah. That was a uh, infinite. That was kind of like a prison hack, right? Yeah. Pretty much, and the tech bed would keep them uh, healed up so they couldn't die at all. They fixed an issue where the tech teleporter built on pillars and ceilings would push players and creatures beneath it. Fixed a crash caused by using force tame when riding a dino. 
improved red crystal collisions so they can be harvested more efficiently by the Yankee, corrected the aquatic mushroom description, removed collision from glow sticks, which would cause movement problems with certain creatures, fixed multiple client-server crashes, fixed an issue where some zipline anchors were outside of replication range, preventing them from being used, fixed a case which would allow players mounted on certain creatures to throw or play C4 a lot further, ergo the Stego. Corrected an incorrect icon with a secret dossier. Fixed a case where teleporting outside of a large base with a tech teleporter would show foliage that was harvested. Fixed multiple map issues, holes, and collisions. Fixed a case where some foliage would not replicate appropriately on aberration. Turrets now respect enemy foundation placement rules, and there is a 30-second uh, spin-up time of uh, the empowered by a battery. I'm yeah. so disappointed by this one. So, I love raiding with turrets. That was fun. Yes. Uh, I'm very disappointed with the battery backup taking 30 seconds to kick in. I think that's... I don't understand the point of that. Mm-hmm. If you are if you take the time to put batteries in all your turrets, like we have, um, I expect that to actually function. I mean, now what? No, what's the point? If all the turrets are just going to go offline, you can go in there and finish taking out the tower. Yeah. <sighs> We're just going to have to adapt, sadly. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that last week's podcast, so, you know, offense versus defense. Yeah. Uh, you can now scroll the chat box using a game controller by holding down the back action wheel and selecting the scroll chat box option. This will highlight the chat box. To exit this mode, just press back button on your controller. You can now enable the retroactive turret hard limit by enabling this setting. In your game, I and I under shooter game mode, and that means well. So with the patch which came out on February 10th, it was originally coming out on the 18th. Turrets have been hard number limited to 100, so this means that you will not be able to build over 100 turrets within a 10,000 unit radius. However, existing setups with over 100 turrets will still function as normal until the 18th of February, when we they will enable the hard limit. Which will I do like the way disable I like the way they're easing people into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll hearing some cries from mega tribes and large tribes saying it's too much work to to redo everything because of the turret limit. Oh no! Oh. I know my heart bleeds. Tribelog now displays when people have been kicked, promoted, demoted, claim, unclaim, upload, and download a creature. Yes. Thank God. God, finally. Two years late, Wildcard. Two years late. <laughs> well, when? Yeah, two years late. Well, I was thinking of the two alliance. years since Obelisk transfers have turned on? So, Obelisk transfers or server transfers were a thing at the beginning of the game when it came out. Then they disabled it because of the Chinese running roughshod over everyone. Then they re-enabled it, and that's the state of the affairs of today. Yeah. Uh, players are automatically expelled from tribes when they die in hardcore. Large underwater rock for features on the island can now be built on. I whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down here a minute. Okay, you can't I, be I surprised this. by this again. That's the same reaction you had last week. Whoa, 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 whoa. Players kicked out of a tribe just because they died. Well, in hardcore, hardcore mode. Hardcore. Well, I mean, I mean, that... That's hardcore, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Doesn't that mean? Well, I don't don't set personal dinos on your hardcore server. Well, yeah. I mean, last week I remember we talked about. I think one of the items was if you're the owner, you lost ownership, which was a very mm-hmm. interesting dynamic to me because if you were the owner, you know, someone could assassinate you and become owner. And I thought that was like totally <laughs> awesome. Uh, but that's interesting. So if you die, you immediately you get kicked out of the tribe and you have to get retribed up. Yeah. So it, it's unfortunate. I mean, with all these cool mechanics and hardcore. 
It's unfortunate that hardcore isn't a more uh, popular game mode. I think the game's too hardcore for some anyways. <laughs> it's pretty hardcore <laughs> as it is, yeah. It's a good point. Good point. Uh, uh, reduce cloning costs by approximately 40% across the board. Yep. Providing players with the option to flip their tribe logs so that they can either select to have the most recent messages <laughs> yes. at the top or bottom. Thank you. Who would not want the recent most recent messages at the top? I know. How many, how many times we scroll down? It's like you, you log in, you see your tribe log, everything looks fine. You scroll down, it's just a sea of red. Yeah. Here's a tip for everyone out there. The first thing you do when you log into your server, go to your tribe log. Yes. Sure everything is fine. Because the seconds it takes to realize something's not fine are precious. I mean, how many times have you logged in, Sean, and found us like being raided? Exactly. Oof. Always check your tribe logs. The first thing you do when you log in, check your tribe logs. All right. Uh, torches will work similarly to flame arrows versus plant-wide traps. Reduce tech-tier vacuum crafting requirements. Increase the damage resistance and made it so that metal giant hatch frames are snappable to them. So this means you can use your... Giant hatch frames and turrets underwater more easily. Interesting. Yep. Spyglass now functions correctly on tamed reapers. Tribes can now see the demo timers of their own structure. Add in an option checkbox for toggle extended HUD info that will make H function as a toggle rather than a hold. And we're not done yet. There were, were a couple mini patches in 278.1. Fix a serialization issue with Bigfoot's character component. Um, and fix a bug which allowed players to grind certain tech items for shards. Um, when 278 came out, they had to do a number of rollbacks, which resulted in a ton of lost characters, sadly. One of the immediate rollbacks was because the Bigfoot on Aberration was spawning in at level 1. 278.2, which is the current version, they increased the kangaroo's weight properly, as mentioned in the TLC patch notes. Fix an issue with misaligned direwolf sniff animation. Fix the Rex's missing color region. Fix an issue where the mini map marker wouldn't display correctly in certain areas of the game. They slightly decrease Rex's ability to climb slopes. Fix an issue where the aberrant diver and aberrant Bigfoot couldn't be transferred off of aberration. Fix an, in an issue where the Argent was missing its flying animation when using some mods. Fix an issue where the crab couldn't jump underwater. Fix the crash that occurred when loading mods in single player. Fix an issue where armor would stack on the client side when using folders. Fix an issue where the kangaroo was not able to pick up flyers in its pouch. And fix an issue where the kangaroo's pouch would not stay open over server restart or relog in single player. Whew. Yeah, can I just say, like, you guys have been playing this game a couple months longer than I have, right? I yeah. personally cannot remember a patch as big as this one. This is huge. Um, I, mean, I would it... say there have been patches as big as this one, but patches that haven't had so many quality of life changes. Yeah, in there have been patches that probably had bigger impacts, like when they changed whole biomes. But the list mm -hmm. of uh, changes in here, and I'd say they're very positive changes that the community has responded positively to, is amazingly large. Oh, which yeah. which kind of makes me rethink, well, at least revisit my thought I made uh, several months ago at this point where I said, the label of early access wasn't going to make that big of a difference. You know, th these are like, these are massively sweeping changes that I think at the end of the day, you could have done back in the early access days and people had the same reaction to them. Mm -hmm. Like I can't really cite a difference between early access and release in, in terms of arc. Like just thinking back, it certainly hasn't resulted in better, you know, uh, 
customer service. It hasn't resulted in a change of patches or patching policy. Um, I, I really think the release has been mostly just a label more than anything else. Now, that that's not necessarily criticism. I'm just saying that, my God, this is a great patch. I'm yeah. very happy with this patch. I hope they kind of keep this up. I'd be if, if every two and a half months they did an improvement patch like this, man, I think they'd get a lot of positive feedback from the community. Oh, definitely. Though still people are pretty annoyed with the general amnesty of the cheaters out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, hey, the, the quality of life uh, updates have uh, rendered me with very little to say uh, on the matter. <laughs> this is all good things. I mean, don't well, get me wrong. I'm, was... I'm just going to let the... I'm just going to let... Uh, uh, Leg day, be a cheerleader for them because that's the appropriate thing to be doing right now. Because I'm stoked. I'm absolutely stoked. I'm happy that I was really concerned that once this game released, the intensity of the patching and the improvements was going to cut down a little bit. And I think they've proven that that's not the case. Once they got their uh, aberration release out the door and they started focusing back on these kind of quality of life improvements, Mm -hmm. I think they pulled it off. And, uh, you know, they pulled it off in a time that a lot of people are assuming that they're busy working on the Extinction DLC. So, no, I think this is good stuff. I really do. I love a lot about this, so there's not much to hate. I mean, don't get me wrong. It doesn't address everything we always complain about, right? But yeah, <laughs> it's still a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Indeed, so uh, well done, Wildcard. Looking forward to the DLC, the TLC Phase 2, whether or not we're going to get more dinos in that as well. But also, please keep up with the quality of life changes. Yes. The game is so much better. The little things, man. The little, like just flipping the logs, like the little things like that. That if you've got a thousand hours in the game, slowly start to drive you insane. Exactly, because it's wasted time. And the the game is already a grind. But these quality of life changes makes it so it's not that bad. It's more digestible. Yeah. It, It feels a lot more polished. Indeed. All right, then. So, listeners, I'm going to remind you of the new Arc Avenue segment where you can ask us Arc-related questions or ask us for advice. If you do have any, give us your questions in the comment section or in our Discord channel. I'll provide an invite to the channel in the comment section if you would like to chat with us or hang out. Because it is time to close out Episode 76 of the Archaeologist Podcast. Thank you to our participants this week, and thank you for listening to us on YouTube. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, feel free to like and share this video and subscribe to the channel. You can also leave comments or questions for us in the comment section below. Goodbye, and stay alive, survivors. Because it is time to close out episode 76 of the Archaeologist Podcast. Uh, thank you to our participants this weekend. Thank you for listening wait, to us. Wait, that was 77. What? I think said at the beginning, I thought. Correct, if it's, correct us if we're wrong in the comments. Okay. I'm sure that they will. This is YouTube. Hold on, I can do a quick check on that right now. Nope, 76. <laughs> Man, I swear you said 77 earlier. <laughs> I hope I didn't. I'll double check when I find out. Okay, I guess we're editing this entire segment out. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let me let me do that last thing. <laughs>